0: My, oh my, has life been sending us some curveballs these last few years, and we have been getting the opportunity to move through those curveballs thoughtfully and with grace and compassion and love, and today's guest, Darcy Luoma, is the author of Thoughtfully Fit, and she's going to share her own story of moving through a really significant curveball in her life, really big curveball with a lot of grace and thoughtfulness. And she's here to share how she did it. Join us to find out more.
1: Soul Nectar Show, the Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe Join us on this beautiful journey, Soul Nectar
0: Show, Soul Nectar Show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird,
1: and I, Akeem Sami,
0: want you to know that
1: you are invited,
0: you're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar, Nectar Tribe. tribe.
1: If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show,
0: you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe.
1: We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free.
0: Right now, go to CarrieHummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com forward slash membership and sign up.
1: We'll We'll see you at our next tribe tribe gathering.
0: gathering. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably towards a deeper understanding of who we are and what we came here to experience. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love helping people tap into that deep soul place within and navigate their lives from that that greater picture, that big mystery, that... The soul's curriculum, the who you are in truth beyond time, beyond the schedules and the daily routines and the society and the body, even, and who, which body looks like and what it feels like and, and which, how you grew up and what you thought life is all about. And there's this deeper place that we can get to where we can navigate our life from beyond all that. And usually we get to the doorway of looking beyond our current life when. Life throws us a curveball, and it's like a big, deep one, and it rattles everything we thought we knew about life. And we're kind of, you know, that "eat, pray, love" moment on the floor, crying, like, "Why me? Why me? Why?" And then, what do we do with it? Where do we go from that? Do we give up? Do we throw in the towel? Do we say, "Well, that's over"? I now my track record's messed up. I don't want to live anymore. Or do we go, "Wow, this is a worthy opponent from all of my skills of mastery." <laughs> this. Is how I become even more the master than I was before. This is how I get to practice all of my tools and how I get to shine through and triumph through the challenge, through the difficulty, through the that curveball that life just sent me that I didn't expect. And I know that a lot of you listening have had curveballs for the last three years, definitely big curveballs. Like, what is going on in this planet today? So to answer that question partially or to give some insight or some inspiration today is, is my friend Darcy Luoma.
1: Welcome, Darcy. Thank you, Carrie. Like, I want to listen to this with that tea up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Darcy is the author of Thought, Thoughtfully Fit, if I could get the words out of my mouth. This is a wonderful book. I read the book and it's very wonderful. Actually, Darcy talks about some very difficult things in a very structured way. So for those of you who like structure and uh, and things presented in a clear, concise way, this is a good book for you. I mean, it's very good. It's very practical. And she's a master certified coach and, and she's a very inspiring speaker. I've been on her show, her podcast, and it's a beautiful experience. And I recommend you go listen. Over, I'll put a link in the show notes to my interview over there so you can go check out her podcast. So she's actually worked as a director for a senator. She's been a trusted senior advisor for a governor. And she's been on the national advance team for two presidential campaigns. So this is a gal who understands the importance of walking your talk, and so we're going to dive into uh, Darcy. We're going to dive into your your story a little bit here. So I know that you your book shares so much wisdom, and I know that that wisdom was hard won. Where do you want to begin in letting people know about why it is that you dove so much time and effort into producing this book and this podcast, and really getting out there and sharing this message?
1: Thanks, Carrie. Yeah, it's, it's been my passion uh, for as long as I can remember to look at human dynamics and interactions and communication and leadership and personality styles and team building really since, since college when I worked for a leadership consulting firm. And so when I launched my full-time coaching consulting business in 2013, I started to notice after, I mean, I've coached thousands of hours. I've started to notice these themes that my clients were bringing into our coaching conversations, the obstacles, the hurdles, the struggles that get in the way of them achieving their goals and getting the success they wanted personally or professionally. So that's what started this five-year deep dive process to research what are the obstacles and the hurdles that get in the way? And what that resulted in was our philosophy and our model on Thoughtfully Fit, how to handle yourself thoughtfully in any situation so that you can get back to doing what you do best instead of overreacting, acting impulsively, silently stewing, and then not being able to focus on what you love. So that created the Thoughtfully Fit model. Ironically, Carrie, in this really crazy world twist of fate, the model was finalized. I mean, we researched and did a deep dive for five years. And in March of 2016, we were celebrating because it came alive. And On Monday morning, we called the strategic planning consultant and the PR firm were like, yes, we're putting Fotly Fit out into the world. It's finally solidified. And it was Thursday afternoon that week, five days after it was finalized, that my, my life blew up in the most extreme way. And I became ground zero to test drive this model in the marketplace. Uh, my neighbor called me and said, Darcy, what is going on at your house? There are 40 or 50 police cars and a SWAT team with guns surrounding your house. And they just took your husband, John, out barefoot in handcuffs. And she said, I don't know where where your daughters are, but you do not want them seeing this when they get off the school bus. And it turns out, I found out later, that my husband was arrested for sexual assault of a 15-year-old girl. And it was awful, Carrie. I mean, it was devastating. It was traumatic. And I the charges were so severe that I had to hire my own attorney. And my attorney said, don't talk to anybody about anything. And so here I am at the worst moment in my life, the biggest nightmare ever. And I can't go to my support system. And so Thoughtfully Fit became... I I literally, my lifeline in my worst moment, it's not the best go-to-market strategy. I don't recommend (laughs) it, but it helped me get through that. You usually
0: want to test out those things before you get into the limelight. You know, it's like, (laughs) I want to be sure I know how to live this way before I'm in the limelight and everyone's watching me to see if I can be my own medicine. Like that's what a huge challenge that is. I've heard this from other people and, and definitely it by my personal experience as a muse, you know, as a channel of, of higher wisdom, so to speak, into the, into this third dimensional experience. I've heard from many people that once you start a container like this, like a project like this, like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I'm going to learn how to be thoughtfully fit. Like I'm going to teach people like the way to be thoughtful, no matter what is going on. And then life says, awesome. Cool. I wonder if she can be thoughtful through this and then, you know, like some huge thing unfolds like, and and not to downplay it. Cause I mean, that's just shocking and terrible and everything else. Like it's the last thing you'd want to find out happening, you know, your, your week of your book launch or just any time in your life period with your partner and find out that that's been going on, that's shocking and it's it's dismaying and it's also this opportunity, right? Like we can change how we think about it. And I think that's based on what I've read in your book. That's what you did, right? You actually went to the tools and you went, okay, what are my tools for being thoughtful in this moment?
1: That's absolutely right. Because the obstacles and the hurdles my clients were having were all of a sudden now I was having them multiple times a day, an hour, so much to do. I can't even think, not handling myself the way that I'd like, relationships that aren't working, feeling stuck reacting poorly when blindsided. Those those are all the hurdles that my clients bring in. And here I am having all of them in that moment. And what's interesting is, you know, had this happened 10 years earlier, I'm certain I would not have been prepared. I hadn't had enough training and practice on how to handle challenges thoughtfully. And yet here I was, I love in your introduction, you said, uh, you know, your biggest opponent is giving you the opportunity to practice and to really step into the challenge. And that's exactly what I had to do. And that's amazing too,
0: because I know that as a mentor healer myself, it's like, we need a place to be held so that we can hold others, right? We need at least one solid structure in our lives that helps us to rest back into that place So that when things unexpected come up, we're able to sort of hold ourselves as well as hold whoever that we're serving in that moment, right? And that just kind of blew up in your face. Like you didn't have any support for yourself that was external. And so this really was like the dramatic test of can Darcy hold herself with the support of something greater, I'm sure. And to move through these challenges. So what was that like for you to reach into your deep, deep inner pockets to find
1: that source of stability within? I mean, so initially it, it was awful. It was horrendous we had media trucks in front of the house and news crews and it was all over the papers and social media so my daughters who were 8 and 9 at the time actually went to live with my sister 5 hours away to just protect them so that they could be kids and not have to be dealing with this and to give me the the space to navigate this nightmare this this legal nightmare the the trauma and so originally in the beginning my house is destroyed from a search warrant my husband's in jail the day before our 10 year wedding anniversary or, or anniversary the, the week before we were going to go on a spring break trip and rent an rv my daughters are gone and the house is destroyed and my attorney says don't don't talk to anybody <laughs> Oh my goodness. So what I did at the, at the core of thoughtfully fit, it's a model that's based on these six principles that are aligned with the six hurdles. And at the core of the model are three simple steps that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you, if you can engage your core, you're going to be able to handle yourself more thoughtfully. So similar to if you're physically fit, I don't care if you're going, walking up the stairs and take, instead of taking the elevator, if you're playing basketball or going cross-country skiing, if you have a strong physical core, every activity, every movement's easier and you're less likely to get injured. It's the same way with thoughtfully fit and engaging and building and strengthening that core. So those three simple steps are pause, think, act. And I had to do that multiple times. And the key is to do all three steps in order. So, so don't react. And then, you know, Oh, later I have a client say, Darcy, I do it backwards. (laughs) I act. And then I think, Oh, why did I do that? And I have to pause and figure out how to fix it, but also don't silently stew and get analysis paralysis. You have to actually reflect, take the time, think about What do I control here? What are my choices? What would the best version of me do in this moment? And then act thoughtfully. So you also can't stall out either. Yeah, I remember
0: back when the pausing part, that part's very important. I've been working on that part my whole life. And I actually, as it turns out in my gene keys chart, I have stillness as my life's work. I'm here to be still and to be walking stillness. So when you're talking about this, what I'm thinking about, what's going through my mind is, wow, how many lessons about stillness have I had and the opportunity to get still and not react? And reaction is like that emotion rises, the chaos, the, you know, anytime you're out of your comfort zone, then the thing comes up and the tendency is going to be to react because you're, you don't have your buffer of like safety around you, you know? And so when we, when our reptilian brain is triggered, you know, that's the oldest brain and that one is fight or flight, freeze or fawn. When that's triggered, we, we don't act in our highest way. We usually act outside of our highest way. So the only way to really act from our highest way is to get still and pause and shift into the brain that is going to give you the better answer, which is the frontal cortex. But you can only do that if you pause and breathe, you know, <laughs> take yeah. a breath. And it does not immediately need to be resolved. And even in the middle of like an interview, Right. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I was like, hmm. <sighs> yeah, I what I'm feeling is this, because if I just gave a quick answer, that wouldn't be really what I needed in that moment. And I'm sure with media, I mean, think what how greatly prepared you were with all the work you were doing for governors and things like that. I mean, they face that kind of assault all the time on them. Ask almost provoking them, trying to get them to react, because people seem to feast on reaction too in our society.
1: Absolutely, and that's where I, I spent twenty years in politics, working for presidential campaigns and a U.S. senator and a governor, and having angry constituents and lobbyists come in, and and I. I had to learn how to handle myself thoughtfully because people would come in with very, very, very different political views, demanding that the senator vote a certain way or a protest at a, at a rally. And, and I had to stay and remain a calm presence. That's not. My normal default (laughs) to when, when provoked and, and attacked and right to be able to just take a breath and remain calm. And yet, and that's why it's the first step of the core is to pause because it's what sets you up for success to then think, how do I want to show up here? What would my outcome look like if I really handled this thoughtfully? What do I control here? And just like Completely fit is a is a metaphor. It's based off of the the principles of being physically fit. Just like you need to train and practice, and you can get more fit. Same way, you can train and practice to pause. You every time you go learn a new sport, the first thing you learn is how to stop. I don't care if it's you know downhill skiing, and you learn the 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 pizza you know the French fries and pizza legs. Like you got a snowplow, learn how to stop. Or if you are going Ice skating or biking, you learn how to stop. So that's essential to be able to, yeah. And beautiful example, even in an interview or when somebody, when you're blind spot, uh, blindsided to take a breath and to pause. And sometimes you might even design that and say, you know, I just need a minute. Is that all right? I'm just that's a good question. Let me think about that. Or I, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little bit hot in this conversation. I'm, I'm gonna just go grab a, a, a cup of coffee. Is that do you need one? And give yourself a moment of space.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I remember reading your book. Um you were you were getting pinged on so many levels that I could relate to. Like what is coming up for me right now is so many barrages, like being a mama bear that I am. It's like wanting to protect my kids from this. And then also wanting to collapse on the floor because I've been betrayed. And then also wanting to cringe and hide because I feel like an imposter. Here I am. just put my book out. Like I have a good life and I know what I'm talking about. And I just found out that my life isn't what I thought it was. I mean, like, bam, 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 bam. It's like, (laughs) I mean, talk about the biggest humbling mastery course, you know, to be able to pause in the middle of all of that and acknowledge? Because I know you walked the path long enough to know that we can't just bypass our feelings, right? So like we, the way to healing is actually feeling what we're feeling, but you are having to manage like a bunch of things, like all at the same time and make decisions fairly quickly in the middle of all that chaos. How did you manage that? I mean, how did you do all of that at the same time? I'll say
1: that there were days I didn't do it well and over time, as this played out, in addition to just continually going back to my core, just pause, getting the email, getting the phone call from the the woman who says, if I find out there's any pictures of my daughter, or the police have any pictures or video, I'm sending the mafia to your house. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. Breathe, pause. Okay. Like in that moment, talk about fight or flight. Like, oh man, did I, my mama bear, I wanted to fight back. I want like, what? Are you kidding? You're a friend. Or I keep like, pause, breathe, think. And in the think, you're asking yourself questions. And so in that moment, I'm like, what's going on here? This, this is my friend. This is, this is out of character. What I realized is she is scared. Her daughter was at our house a lot under my ex-husband's supervision. This isn't personal. She's not attacking me. It's coming out as an attack. And so, in that pop pa- process of being able to pause and think, then I acted by by really showing empathy for her instead of defending myself or getting angry or defensive, you know, just like, I this is really scary. Yeah, I know. And we're gonna get through it. And again, there were moments I did not do it well. There always are. We're human. And yet, the more I could continually raise awareness just to pause and think and act the better I did. Now, of course, I then also got a really good therapist. I worked with several child psychologists to figure out how do I, how do, what do I tell my two daughters that my husband was a full time stay at home dad? The girls had never, ever went to bed without their dad tucking them in and reading a story and making them breakfast in the morning. And, and literally with zero notice, he was gone. And when he was taken away that night, that afternoon, he never came home. He was a, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. And so I I did uh A take my own medicine. B, I worked with a lot of therapists, a lot of healers. I hired a crisis communications firm and, and got therapists for the girls to be able to help me navigate each step of the way when I was paralyzed and stuck and didn't know how to navigate it.
0: Yeah, there's so much that you were facing in that moment and that you gave yourself that pause and then gave yourself the resources. And I think that's another key point for everyone is to, because what's really hard is to ask for help. You know, we're sort of conditioned to think that if you ask for help, that you're somehow weak or there's something wrong with you. Or if you, you know, if you get emotional, like that's inappropriate because our society is really geared towards sort of logical mental stuff and not really like facing the human part of ourselves and that we're going to have feelings. I remember when I was in corporate America years, and this is why I left corporate America is because I just, I don't have a poker face, you know, so like. I never fit in, people knew when I was pissed or when I was sad, and I couldn't help it like I couldn't hide that, and so I would never win the corporate game of pretending, so I just like i don't I'm really not meant to be there and so I think it has shifted a little, but I don't know that it's shifted all that much because I'm not really in that realm anymore, but I know how important it is to really acknowledge our feelings and And to give ourselves support and ask for help when we need it, you know, to really have that confidence that everything is going to be better if you just ask for support.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Carrie, that was one of the things that I really reflected on. I really prayed on it and and was very thoughtful about whether or not to go public with my story and because I was scared that. All I have is my reputation. You own your own business. That's your credibility is your reputation. And I'll tell you what was fascinating to me is that the exact opposite of my fears played out when I decided to go public and, and um, there was a a magazine feature story, Bravo magazine that I was in. And then the book Thoughtfully Fit is all about how I used these six practices that I had designed for my clients, by the way, thank you very much. And then ended up meeting in my own life. Number one client. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How it helped me. That's the book is outlining that, that story in a first-hand perspective way that what happened was I started instead of losing, I mean, maybe I lost clients that people didn't reach out because they're saying, Oh my God, she must be crazy. Her hu- ex-husband's a convicted felon, sex offender. No, thank you. I don't know. Maybe, but if they, if they aren't, didn't reach out, I don't know that they didn't. I'll tell you what did happen is I started having more people, women, teams, organizations reach out and say, oh my gosh, okay, I had something really horrible happen. My business partner embezzled from me and I haven't told anybody because I'm in so much shame that I went into business with somebody who's shady and I can't tell and it's killing me and I'm sick now and I don't know how to navigate this. You, You can't believe the stories of people that actually came out saying, you... Are working through something in a public way that is really hard. I'm hiding from something that's really hard, and it's killing me. Can you help me figure out how to navigate this? And I guess what sparked that was your comment that it's hard to ask for help, and yet we need support.
0: Yeah, it actually it's like a big burden to try to keep secrets, and it really feeds the imposter monster because the imposter monster loves that you're ashamed of yourself and wants you to hide everything and I can relate to you because in my book, Awakening to Me, I told a lot of sordid details about my mental health challenges and things that were going on in my life before I found my path. And, uh, you know, some of those things, I never wanted to sensationalize it. They're the kinds of things that I could totally sensationalize and get a lot of attention for. But I chose not to because that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here for the drama or the sensationalism or any of that, although it would give me a lot of big audience if I did. But I was like, no, I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is the slow growth path that really demonstrates the medicine. It demonstrates the teachings. It demonstrates that if somebody that wrote that book in 2012, like I was at that time, can turn out to be who I am today through inner mastery and honesty and transparency and, and vulnerability, then nobody has any excuse for not doing the work. And you know that's not a, that's not a shaming statement. That's just a fact. Like what you've gone through is another demonstration. We can get through these really traumatic things and we can do it thoughtfully, as you've said over and over. We can do it thoughtfully. We can do it with grace and we can change the whole story by holding things in that higher perspective.
1: Absolutely. And I'll say if anybody's listening or watching who is holding a secret and in a place of shame, that that's okay. That's where you're at in your journey. Self-compassion is so important. I didn't start with this place. I was scared. I had to work to get to the place. And I had to decide who was safe as I shared, you know, where can i be vulnerable and who has earned the right to hear my story and who can i trust to support me on this journey and every stage of this journey as i got stronger and i felt like my foundation and and my footing is stronger it wasn't until that re- until i really felt solid with my girls and i before i did go public because It would not, it it would not have served anybody for me to use my keynote audiences as my place for therapy or my book. Exactly. (laughs) What you're talking
0: about is speaking from the wisdom and not the wounds. And beautiful. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's perfect.
0: Yeah. And you know, at first I spoke from the wound some, right? I really did my personal work on it the whole time. I was honestly doing my best. But if you start to, if you go back any interviews I did probably at the beginning, maybe like eight years ago or seven years ago or six years ago, you see a very different vibe and a different context and a different perspective. And it's, it's a perspective I had as I was moving myself off the triangle of disempowerment of being the victim Mm -hmm. And everybody else is my perpetrator. My ex-husband is my perpetrator, blah, blah, blah. It's these people and they're doing this to me and I'm the scapegoat and I'm innocent and poor me. As I started going through that journey, I was getting my voice. There is a part when if that's you and you guys are listening and you're like, oh my God, that's me right now. I'm being that. Oh my God, I'm doing that. I'm getting support. I'm rallying people because to my cause because I feel like a victim. Oh my God, that's me. Take a breath. Totally okay. We all do it, don't we, Darcy? Yes, yes, yes. Because we need support. Because what we actually need is someone to listen and and care about us. And then if you get into the right mentorship, then somebody that's walked the path like Darcy here, you can actually go, oh, oh, okay. I was speaking from my wounds. Okay, let me claim my sovereignty. Because even in the worst circumstances, Darcy, some part of you already knew I'm not a victim, I feel victimized. I'm not a victim. I can rise like the phoenix and claim my power through this. And that lens is very different than the victimization lens.
1: Absolutely. And I will say that in all in all transparency, if I did not have two daughters who were counting on me and who needed me to be strong, I don't know. I might have just stayed in that really icky victim hole place and not come out and kept a secret. I I, I may have not found the strength. I just knew, and again, in working with psychologists and child therapists and my my therapists, like my girls need me to heal and to recover and to get to a place of strength. And part of that journey for me, thank God for my sister and her family for being a safe place for my daughters to go for a couple of months while I dealt with the immediate trauma and and crisis and fear and anger and all of that that was a gift they gave me. Uh I remember I when I when I was working with my crisis communications firm because I was scared I was going to lose my business and as a as a you know as a business owner I have no paycheck if I don't have clients. I don't get paid. And I remember when she told me Darcy, you need to take a couple of months off to, to deal with this. And it's so interesting, Carrie, because my, I feel like I have pretty good instincts, business instincts, pretty good mom instincts. My instincts were exactly opposite. I was like, I need to do this keynote in this team retreat and this coaching client. Like I have more bills now than I've ever had, tens of thousands of dollars. I can't let up my foot off the gas. I have to work. And she said, Darcy you need to take some time off and deal with this. If you don't, you are not going to be in a good place later on. And I remember saying to her, I said, "Lori, I don't agree with you, but I'm paying you to advise me right now when everything's foggy and my world's upside down, I'm going to do what you're telling me, but I don't agree and I don't like it. It was the best thing ever mm-hmm. to step away from my clients and my work and to really feel the feelings, to be angry and sad and emotional. And I think part of the reason I'm going down this tangent is because what we're not telling people are listening is don't be the victim, buck up, be happy, find the bright side. No, we're not saying that. not saying that at all. Uh-uh. Feel your feelings, be in the pain, be in the anger find the safe places to do that so that you can evolve to go from being wounded to having wisdom
0: yeah because the wisdom is the thing and I I honestly feel like a lot of women and I don't want to discount men so anyone who's listening please don't you know take this as a gender bias but I just being a person in a woman's body I'm more tuned in and noticing women's challenges and one of the things I notice is a, there's a lot of women having this challenge of discernment like leaning in and questioning and being conscious and noticing things and the intuition really opening up and like, and not like gaslighting yourself to think everything's fine. There's this like, I don't know, I I had what I would call rose colored glasses before. And then when I got the divorce and all this stuff happened, it's like, all of a sudden, I started realizing that I had been sort of not noticing certain things out of some kind of avoidance, you know? And so what you were talking just now is wondering about that. If you had any reflections on that, looking back, you know, as you were doing your processing, wow, were you like just kind of gaslighting yourself? Did you just not see things? Or also when you were saying like, I don't want to stop, (laughs) you know, like I just wanted to keep going and I didn't want to stop and feel my feelings. That's another thing. I feel like we have to give ourselves the space to let the full impact of the thing land because that's where the transformation happens.
1: Yes. And I believe it's coming to strengthen us. So, I agree wholeheartedly and I think, you know, if I were really honest with myself, while at the time I said I have to work, I have bills I have to pay, health insurance, I I was scared for to have stillness because it means I had to sit with the aftermath of the of the deep deep betrayal. And wound of someone who was my chosen life partner, and I had to sit with all of that. And and my instinct to stay busy and keep working would have definitely it would have served me to continue to be numb and to continue to go through the motions. But here, six years later, I'm certain I would not be able to be talking about it with you because I would be. I, I, I'm certain miserable pain, you know, it would, I would have been stuffing it. And part of the reason I I know it is because the people that I work with that come that have done that they're dealing with the aftermath of having turned it off, turn off all emotions, numb out, work harder, whether it's work is your outlet or food or alcohol or whatever, you name it exercise. I had to learn to be with the pain.
0: And that is wonderful advice. And I can, I can just provide a little testimony, testimony as to the importance of facing your feelings. Um, you know, because I was, uh, like not facing my feelings for about 20 years and to, on taking the not feeling pills, you know, for about 10, 13 years. And I finally left the marriage and, and left the pills and left the psychotherapy. I was like, this model's not working. Yeah. I'm a smart woman. I went to Smith College. I'm not stupid. It's not working. I need to change the model. Clearly, I need to get outside this. I finally took that proactive action because I was ready to heal. I was ready to face it. I was ready to feel it. I was ready to heal it. And within six months, I had to get an operation because I had a Texas grapefruit-sized cyst on my ovary. It was like this big. I couldn't even bend over. They had to drain it. I called it my marriage cyst. I could also easily call it my gaslighting self-cyst, you know, where I like wouldn't face my feelings. Wow. And that could have killed me, you know, so they, oh. they had to drain that, take it out. And, and I was in such relief in the post-off room and then the nurses were like, nobody's ever happy after the surgery. What is wrong with you? And I said, no, you don't understand. You just took my marriage out of my body. <laughs> oh. You just took 20 years of stuffing myself and quieting myself out of my body. It's gone. That pain, you just took it.
1: Yeah, you know, so That's one of the most powerful examples I've heard. I mean, of course, we know that the, the mind and the body are so interconnected, and yeah. stress does horrible things to the body. And like that just is the most powerful physical example of how that stress manifested in your body.
0: It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I recommend everybody to listen, to listen to what Darcy's saying, you know, definitely feel it to heal it, slow down, get still, get present, first step, quiet down, feel the thing you don't want to feel, stop the distractions and get into your, into your body and your heart. And yeah, you're going to hear the voices in your mind and breathe. It's only, my dad used to say, it's only a movie, Darcy. Wow. Oh, <laughs> it's just a movie. And I, sometimes I imagine when I'm in those moments and facing that stuff, I just like get my popcorn and I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a movie.
1: (laughs) Awesome. It reminds me of John Lennon, the quotes he said, you know, in the end, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Hmm. There you go.
0: It's not the end yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it is the end for you in terms of, um, you know, that particular aspect of it is concluded and you're moving, you've moved on with your life. And I'm sure it's not the end end because these things uh, are family ancestral and things like that. But at least that major trauma has um, gone through and you've handled it. So um what, I know that you have some ways for people to get to know you. I mean, this, if this wasn't enough to get to know Darcy, I don't know what else you guys need, but I know that you also have a free quiz the thoughtfully F- fit quiz.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's curious about what those six hurdles are that clients bring in where you get stuck, you struggle. Thoughtfullyfit.com has a free quiz. It's two, I don't know, two or three minutes and it'll spit out and tell you your biggest hurdle. And then some strategies on how to start to train to clear that hurdle. They're the same strategies that I used with my crisis that we, my coaches and my team and I use with our clients. And they're the same strategies that are outlined in the Thoughtfully Fit book. The number one antidote to, you know, pain and not being thoughtful is self-awareness. And if you can increase your awareness on where you're getting stuck and what your biggest obstacles are, that's the first step to then start to train to clear those hurdles. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: So helpful. And self-awareness comes when you activate the witness inside, which happens when you're still. Yes. There you go. That witness has seen a whole lot of stuff.
1: Oh, you're like tweetable. This whole, this whole I, episode, I want to tweet all these quotes you have. I'm going to go back and do that. Tweet, Maybe tweet, tweet. Yeah. I'm like a little birdie. I'm yeah, a lion bird. <laughs>
0: I love it. They don't really tweet, but they flap. <laughs> <laughs> they buzz. So, um, well, that was beautiful. I really appreciate you coming on the show, Darcy. Thank you so much. And I recommend everybody get a copy of the Thoughtfully Fit book. Go take a look at that. Um, Go listen to the podcast. I'll put a link to the episode I was on uh, the podcast and I'll put a link to Darcy's book, Thoughtfully Fit, and also the quiz. Go take a look at all that. You know, if you need a little extra support, you know, that's what I'm doing here. I just, I like to provide doors. There's many doorways you can enter to find your solution. Ultimately, it's your solution, right, Darcy? Ultimately, each person...
1: Got to walk the path of mastery, absolutely. And you know, Carrie, I don't know why the universe brought us together, but you have such wisdom, and the way you present yourself and your wisdom is so accessible. It's truly an honor to to be here with you today. And. You know to be on this journey with you, so thank you very much.
0: Well, I appreciate you, Darcy. You're just one hot mama. You got a ticket going. So <laughs> we're gonna so we we're gonna close up now. I just want to really encourage everybody: please like, share, subscribe, send this out to your friends. If you know, don't be totally obnoxious with it. But like, if there's somebody that you think might like it, share it out. You know, open handedly with no expectations and just with some grace. And uh, and we're gonna give you kisses now. Here come the kisses. You want to help me give kisses, Darcy? Absolutely. Okay, here come a kiss, everybody. Mm. (laughs) We love you. We send you blessings. Sending kisses. We'll see you guys next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show.
1: Take a sip so from the chip shop and let's do from the sauce of so blue wine. Oh.